Ephesians 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. This week, I'm going to cover, well, you heard two scriptures, uh, the introduction and a little bit of the historical context behind this book. All right. And then next week, I'm going to give a, a good overview of the major themes and the concepts in the book of Ephesians. But I want to encourage everyone um, to start reading Ephesians. Listen, it's, it's six chapters, so you can easily read it in one sitting. You can sit down and read straight through it, the whole book. I think a lot of us have been ruined with our Bible reading. If we read our Bible at all, we've been ruined in it, and we read a couple little devotional verses, and that's it. And we don't understand the Bible isn't meant to be read in verses. All right? I want you to hear that. This scripture is not meant to be read in little bitty chunks. It's not meant for that. All right? All the numbers we just threw in there so we could, we could, you know, we could find things. Scripture is meant to be a part of a story. It's meant to be read in chapters. It's meant to be read in books even. So the more you can read, I mean, sometimes there's a lot of, you know, if you're studying, going word for word, that's one thing, right? But you need to know what, what's the theme, what's going on in the book of Ephesians. And we're going to try to delve into that a little bit. So you could read, you could read the whole book of Ephesians every day for the next week, or you could read a chapter a day for the next week. But I really encourage you, if you don't have a plan for your devotional time, start working through the book of Ephesians. Uh, this has quickly become my uh, favorite book of the Bible. Uh, when I'm questioning something, when I'm wondering about a theology, or I'm wondering about who God is, or I'm wondering about what I'm called to do, or I'm wondering about what the church is, I, I keep finding myself going back to Ephesians. It's so comfortable right here. It's the scope of it is absolutely amazing. Uh, the gospel is presented so clearly, uh, just so epically in Ephesians, man. It gets huge. He pulls out and it gets huge. It gets cosmic in the beginning, in the first three chapters, and then it gets really practical. It's got a lot of stuff. Um, we're, showed how, we're shown how the gospel impacts all of creation, from my relationships with God and the Trinity to how we relate to believers, unbelievers, uh, my wife, my kids, my work, my work ethic, sex, culture, and God's mission to restore all things. All of that. How does the gospel relate to all of that? That's all in Ephesians. So I don't know how long we're going to be here. We're going to be here for a while. But I encourage you to start memorizing it. Start reading it. Start soaking in it. Let it soak in you. Let it mess you up because Ephesians will. And if you've ever wondered, I think Ephesians is romantic, all right? It's this idea for me of it just does something to your affections. It does something to your heart. It, it, it calls you to something deeper, not just like follow these rules or this is why you believe that or doctrine. And it's a lot of doctrine, but it's something romantic about it, something big picture, something that grabs you by the gut and says, live for this. So that's why one of the reasons I love Ephesians so uh, we're going to be reminded over and over through the book of Ephesians that God is good, that God is great, that God is glorious, and that God is gracious. So if you got your script, if you got your Bible, open it up. Uh, I hope everyone's bringing, bringing a Bible. Uh, pretty soon we're going to have to buy some uh, ESVs so we can hand out to anybody that doesn't have one. But I want you to open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to go through this a little bit today. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. When you're there, stay there. All right. 
Paul. All right, we got to talk about this. <laughs> Paul, formerly known as Saul, right? Paul, the guy who um, was hated Jesus Christ so much, hated followers of Christ so much that he persecuted them, that he was a co-conspirator in the murder of Stephen. If you remember Stephen, he was there saying, go get him, holding uh, the robes of the men as they, pers- as they killed Stephen. And Stephen uh, saw Jesus high and lifted up and, and, and Stephen was murdered. All right. Paul, formerly known as Saul, that's who's writing this, right? The guy who was on the way to Damascus to persecute more Christians. And Jesus Christ, the resurrected, post-resurrected Jesus Christ, shows up, knocks him off his horse, says, what are you doing? Who are you persecuting? What are you doing with your life? And Saul says, whoa, whoa, whoa. He goes blind immediately. Then we got this strange, you know, uh, some strange events that take place. And he gets called into the ministry of Jesus Christ. So that who, that's who the author, that's who the author to Ephesians is right there. Okay. He is Paul. The apostle Paul is the author to Ephesians. Okay. So we're starting right there. The apostle Paul has something to say to us. All right. Now look. Paul, an apostle, all right, in chapter 2.20, chapter 2, verse 20 in Ephesians, uh, Paul says that the apostles are the foundation of the church. Apostles are men who preach the gospel, plant new churches, and have authority from God to write down the New Testament scriptures, okay? I call this a big A apostle, the, all right, the big A apostle. We don't have, these do not exist anymore. If you ever hear of a, somebody, some denominations, they say, they hand out their business cards and he says, hey, I'm an apostle, Okay. You might be an apostle in some sense of the word. I'm an apostle because I'm starting and planting Sacred City Church. But I'm not a big A apostle. I'm not an apostle like Paul was an apostle. Paul had special authority from God to plant churches, to preach the gospel, and to write down the inerrant word of God. An apostle can write scripture. A big A. Nobody on earth can add to this book. It's called the canon. It has been closed. All right? You cannot add to scripture. There's the, so Paul is a big A apostle, all right? I'm going to just break that down as we go. Now look, Paul, an apostle of, of Christ Jesus. Now, I don't want you to miss this. This is a big switch. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. Right away, Paul is saying, if you want to label me, this is how you label me. I am an apostle of Christ Jesus. Now, if you think about this, that's a big switch, he was, one of, he was the number one proponent against Christianity, trying to persecute it, trying to snuff it out, trying to wipe this sect of Christians off the face of the planet. And now, when he's writing to Ephesians, he's saying, okay, if you want to know me, I want you to know me through the label that I'm an apostle of Christ Jesus. All right, I read uh, this book this afternoon. It's called Unplanned. And it's by Abby Johnson. Uh, and it's her story. She was a director of Planned Parenthood in Texas. Um, She was a part of Planned Parenthood for almost 10 years. She she worked herself up to being the the director of of an entire uh, Planned Parenthood uh, facility. And one day, and this is a scary thing, she grew up in an evangelical home. She said she had Jesus Christ as her Savior. She said she knew God as her Father. She went off to school. And her convictions did not line up with her actions. Okay? Her beliefs, what she thought she believed, 
did not play out into her actions. So she ended up going. She ended up getting pregnant twice outside of uh, outside of marriage. Had abortions both times, and eventually stepped into the role of of being um, on mission with Planned Parenthood. Okay, um, th- this is. She had no Christian influence. She didn't have a missional community. People could call her out on things and say, you say you believe this, but look what you're doing. But by the grace of God, after about 10 years, she's the director. She's worked her way up. And somebody didn't show up for work that day. And the doctor called her in to um, supervise or help out with an abortion. And she had to step in. And she she had to hold um, the, uh, oh, oh, man. Um, what's the thing, ladies, that you put on your belly? Ultrasound. She had to hold the ultrasound. She had to hold the ultrasound while the doctor performed the abortion. And she'd been doing it. She'd been, you know, doing this for a decade. And in this, she, she, she had had all the talking points. She knew all the talking points about how, how to argue with a pro-life, pro-life person. And she knew all the talking points. She knew the thing that the, the, the fetus is not viable until 20 weeks or 24 weeks or whatever. They don't feel pain. They don't do all, the, you know, all this stuff. And she watched as the doctor inserted the, um, I forgot the name of the thing, but it's basically the vacuum. Um, and she watched as it came in the picture of the ultrasound, she watched the baby kick and push away from it. And then she watched the baby be sucked out and she said the last thing she saw was a perfectly formed um, vertebrae go be sucked in half, go down that go down the tube. And in that moment, God grabbed her heart. In that moment, she'd been fighting the pro-lifer. She'd been fighting the, you know, for a decade. In that moment, which God started working on her, she she had a switch. The eyes were. You know, the blinders came off and she flipped, man. She flipped. A, a couple days later, she went running out of the office. You know, there's typically picketers and stuff right outside the Planned Parenthood. People that are, they've adopted their practices now. Most of them are pretty peaceful and loving. She ran right out, went right to their house or right to their uh, uh, meeting place and switched sides. And she's been on the O'Reilly Factor. She's been on Hannity. She's been on Fox News. She's been on everywhere because everyone's saying this lady who is the director of, of Planned Parenthood has now flipped sides and now she's pro-life and she's pushing the, the pro-life agenda or she's pushing, you know, to get rid of abortion. Now, that's a big story, right? Like, that's, that's exciting. And I want you to see that's a, that is just, that's, I mean, I, I, it's, it's gripping to us. But what happened to the Apostle Paul was even more gripping. What happened to the Apostle Paul was even a greater flip. For me, I had a personal flip in my life. I got saved and came to faith in a hyper I would say a hyper charismatic environment that preached the prosperity gospel. That the more you give, uh, the more God would give back to you. That He would be obligated somehow to bless you financially and. Um, and I, I, I grew up in that. So when I, when I came to faith for the first few years, I, I preached that. I thought that. I lived that. That's, that's kind of what I believed. And through the scriptures and God's grace, I had a, a flip. I, I literally had a reversal. And I, I don't want you to miss how big this introduction is when, we are, when we're coming at this. Because typically, 
if you're ever studying the Bible, you're just going gonna to fly through these introductions. Just fly through them, get to the good stuff, right? But I want you to see this right here. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, an apostle of Christ Jesus. He's completely reversed his position, all right? He is now a proponent of Jesus Christ. And then he says this, by the will of God. <clears throat> Paul wants us to know right away. He wants us to know from jump that this is not his idea. This wasn't his plan. That he didn't appoint himself. That this is what he wasn't sitting in college someday. What am I going to be? Mm, apostle sounds nice. All right. Preacher to the Gentiles sounds about right. This was not on his radar. Paul is telling us right away this is something God's been doing. This is something God started. This is something God will finish. That I am an apostle of Jesus Christ. I have his authority by the will of God. Not my own will. Can you say that? Can we say that? Do we have that, uh, the audacity to say that? When we quote a scripture, when we stand on something, that it's by the will of God that you're here. This is where grace begins. Grace begins when we realize the fact that it's all by the will of God. That I'm not smart enough to choose Him. That I didn't come to faith because I made a really good decision someday. That this is God at work before the foundations of time. God at work to bring about this salvation. Alright? So God chose him to preach the gospel. God sent him on a mission to the Gentiles. Now, to the saints who are in Ephesus. This is quite a, quite a statement here. I know we've got a lot of baggage that goes with the word saints, but Paul is claiming everyone who's at Ephesus, you are saints. If you've received Jesus Christ in your life, you are a saint. Now, most of us probably don't feel like a saint. We think that you know saints are venerated individuals that are superhuman and they're just super special. But that's not the way Scripture talks about saints. Every single believer in Jesus Christ is referred to as a saint. Now, look, to the saints who are in where? Ephesus. All right. In order for us to know, in order for us to study this book, we've got to understand Ephesus. All right. If, here's, I'm going to give you a, a, a tip in reading your Bible. All right. Here it is. The Bible was written for us, but it was not written to us. The Bible was written for us, but it was not written to us. That is the, the first thing. When you come to the Bible, that's the first thing that you need to be remembering. All right? The Bible was written for us, but it was not written to us. We need to understand who the scripture, who these scriptures were written to. Who were these scriptures written to right here? The saints in Ephesus. Okay? So in order for us to understand the context, we've got to know a little bit about Ephesus. All right? We need to know a little bit about this city called Ephesus because Scripture was written for our benefit, but it's not written to us. So we have to know what was Paul preaching to? What kind of people was he preaching to? What was going on in that city? Why is he saying these words to them? We've got to understand the context. Okay, <clears throat> Paul's first trip to Ephesus was in 52 AD. That's about 20 years, roughly about 20 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul comes rolling in to Ephesus to start planting some churches, okay? Ephesus was a city in Asia Minor, which is now modern-day Turkey. Ephesus was a very influential city in Paul's days. Its influence, both as a secular and religious center, emanated to the other parts of the Roman Empire. It seems that Paul selected um, strategic cities 
from which the influence of the gospel would spread to the surrounding areas. Paul targeted cities because cities are a place where the cross-pollination of ideas is present. Okay, ideas are like a virus. Ideas spread faster in cities. So obviously, Paul chose popular cities to go preach and plant churches there so the gospel would move forward fast, right? We saw that last week, how the gospel flowed all the way from the apostle, how it flowed out through the history of mission, right? So he chose highly densely, densely populated areas to make that happen. For Paul, a highly educated man, the gospel was not secondary, to any other religion or philosophy, and consequently needed to be heard and considered. Ephesus is estimated to be home to between 200 and 250,000 people during Paul's day, which is roughly double the population of Davenport or half the Quad Cities. All right? So I want you to, you can kind of feel that. Twice the size of Davenport, half the size of the Quad Cities. That's how, uh, how big modern day Ephesus was. Ephesus was the third largest city in the empire. It was outranked by Athens and Rome. That's it. Like Ephesus, Davenport is the third largest city in Iowa, outranked only by Des Moines and Cedar Rapids. Like Davenport, Ephesus was a port city, a place where its connection to a body of water shaped the culture of the city. Commercially, it was the largest trading center in Asia Minor. The two most prominent structures in Ephesus were the theater and the temple of the Greek goddess Artemis or Diana. How they call it in Greek is they call it uh, Diana. These were the two main reasons for the city's success. All right? The two main reasons for the city's success. They had a huge worship space for this goddess called Diana or Artemis. All right? It was known as the largest building on the face of the planet at the time. Okay? It was one of the seven wonders of the world at the time. All right? The second structure that they were known for, so a lot of people, so look, we got three major things. First, they're, they're a port city. So you got all kind of new ideas coming in. You got people boating in, you know, all kind of new culture hitting the, hitting the, hitting the spot. Commercial, you know, they had a commercial industry, fishermen that, that was really, that was going really well. Secondly, they had this huge temple where they worshiped uh, Diana. All right? Set one of the seven wonders of the world. So you got tons of tourists. People were worshiping her from all over the world, they're coming in. And the third thing was they had uh, the stadium, all right? And I want you to see this. Throw that picture up there. Um, this is the ex- excavated ruins of the city of Ephesus right here, okay? You can see, right, that's the stadium. That stadium um, could seat 24,000 people, all right? So that's a 2,000-year-old or more, 2,000-year-old or more, stadium built in the city of Ephesus. Let's see the next. Is there another one? Right there. Boom. That's the seat right there. Seats 24,000 people. Now, this is, this is pretty exciting here. I want you to go to Acts chapter 19. Leave that. You can just leave that picture up there. Acts chapter 19. All right, you're going to be at verse 17. When you're there, stay there. All right, now listen, this is, in order to understand Ephesus, okay, and in order to understand the book of Ephesians, we're going back to Acts. Now, why would we do that? We're going back to Acts because this is Paul's, they call him Paul's missionary journeys. Paul's sent on mission. He goes once in AD 
um, 56 or 52. He goes once in 80, 52. He starts, he starts a couple churches. Or he starts probably one church. He goes back for a little bit. And then he's sent out again on a second missionary journey. And then he goes, and this time he performs miracles. He does some amazing things, about AD 56. And then, he, and then he comes back in about AD 57, and he trains up some elders, okay? Right here, this is Acts chapter 19 is Paul's second missionary journey. The second time he traveled to Ephesus to plant churches, to make disciples. And this is what happens. <clears throat> um, first off, verse 17. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks. And fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. And many of those who were now believers came, confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the volume of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail Mightily. Okay, what the heck is going on? Listen, the temple of Artemis, one of the seven wonders of the world in antiquity. Okay, people come from all around the world to worship this, I'll just say, demon goddess, all right, false idol at the city of Ephesus. Paul goes in, and Paul, I mean, the, the city was known for a center of the occult, for a center of magic practices. I mean, it was. It was full of witchcraft. It was full of demon worship. And Paul goes in and starts preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is an educated man. All right? A highly educated man goes in and starts preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what we see right here in Acts chapter 19, one of the first things that happens is he has a huge harvest. And tons of people that were caught up in the occult and caught up in magic, they go and they, they bring in... How many? 50,000? Is that what it says? Confess. 50,000 magic books. Now listen, this is equivalent, or 50,000 silver. This is equivalent to 50,000 days worth of labor. All right? Paul has a huge impact on the city's economy. Paul's preaching against the idols has a huge impact in the culture of the city. They're making little idols. They're selling them. I mean, the, the, this, this is like going to Mardi Gras, right? And, and, and getting your palm read and the tarot reading and all that kind of stuff. Their culture is built on the occult. Paul comes in and says, this is all garbage. Let me preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to you. And people say, okay, how, let's do this. We believe they bring their magic books totaling 50,000 days worth of labor. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of their resources. And they light them on fire. All right. How, how do you think the local economy would respond? How do you think the local government would respond to that? Not, not very well. well let, let's, let's keep reading. Verse 21. Now, after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. And having said into Macedonia, two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. About that time, there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. Okay, this, I love the way the Bible speaks sometimes. Right here. There arose no little disturbance concerning the way. All right, that's the Bible's way of saying crap went down. It got nasty. Okay, there was no little disturbance concerning the way. Uh, obviously, by this time, they were not called Christians. Christianity wasn't actually, they didn't have that label or wasn't widely known. They were called the way. 
If you're a follower of Christ, you're a follower of the way. All right? For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought no little business to the craftsmen. All right? So he brought a lot of money in. This guy was making little shrines. He was making little uh, idols to be worshipped. And he brought in a lot of money. <clears throat> verse 26. Oh, no, no. No, verse 25. These he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades and said, Men, you know that from this business we have our wealth. And you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned people away or turned away a great many people, saying that gods made with hands are not gods at all. And there is danger not only that this trade of ours may come into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing, and that she, she may even be de deposed from her magnificence, she whom all Asia and the world worship. <clears throat> when they heard this, they were enraged and were crying out, Great is Artemis of Ephesians! Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! So the city was filled with the confusion. And they rushed together into the theater. Into the where? Into the where? Into the theater. Into this theater right here. You see this? This theater? I'm, I'm trying to pull us off. I'm trying to get us, if we can get sucked out of the evangelical fuzzy board in the kids' room Christianity where like all of this stuff in the Bible happened in like Nev Neverland, right? Like this, the book of Ephesians, the book of Acts, this stuff took place right there. You can walk into that right now, all right? I, I, I would love someday to preach the gospel right there. I know uh, Pastor Mark Driscoll is getting to do that in a, a month from now. He's going, and he's got a lot of people going with him, and they're preaching the gospel right there from the theater in Ephesus, okay? I mean, I want this to, like, put on some flesh for you. Like, this is real. This is, this is why we can trust the Bible. It's not made up. It's not fiction. It's not, you know, like Peter Pan or something, okay? Let, let's keep going. <clears throat> so the city was filled with a confusion, and they rushed together into the theater, dragging with them... Gaius and Aristarchus at Macedonia, the Macedonians, who were Paul's companions in travel. But when Paul wished to go in among the crowd, the disciples wouldn't let him. Listen, you should be, we, we should learn something about the Apostle Paul right here. Imagine that place full. Imagine 24,000 people in there, all shouting to their demon god, Great is Artemis! Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! And they're dragging Paul's companions in there to probably beat them and stone them. And Paul is saying, let me in there. I, I need to preach the gospel. I need to get in there and get after him. And his disciples are like, no, you, you, you can't get in there. The disciples would not let him. And even some of the Asiarchs, who were friends of his, sent to him and were urging him not to venture into the theater. Paul, don't go into the, the theater, man. Now some cried out one thing and some another, for the assembly was in confusion. And most of them did not even know why they had come together. <clears throat> some of the crowd prompted Alexander, 
whom the Jews had put forward. And Alexander, motioning with his hand, wanted to make a defense to the crowd. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, for about two hours, they all cried out with one voice, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! And when the town clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, Men of Ephesus, who is there who does not know that the, that the city of the Ephesians is temple keeper of the great Artemis and of the sacred stone that fell from the sky? They believed that uh, the first temple of Artemis and the, was actually built out of a meteorite that, that landed. They actually built right on top of a, a meteorite. <clears throat> 36, seeing that that these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rash. For you have been brought, for you have brought these men here who are neither sacrilegious nor blasphemers of our goddess. If therefore Demetrius and the craftsmen with him have a complaint against anyone, the courts are open and there are proconsuls. Let them bring charges against one another. But if you seek anything further, it shall be settled in the regular assembly. For we really are in danger of being charged with rioting today, since there is no cause that we have that we give to justify this commotion. And when he had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. Keep reading. After the uproar ceased, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed for Macedonia. <clears throat> these events happened during Paul's second missional trip to Ephesus in the year A.D. 53. Paul returned one more time in 57 A.D. to establish um, elders in the Ephesian congregation. Now, Paul is now writing to these churches that he planted, okay? Um, History says that Paul, when he's writing this book to us right here, writing the book to the Ephesians, he's in prison in Rome, okay? So we just read what happened, his second missionary trip, third missionary trip. He comes back to Ephesus. He says, okay, I heard about some stuff going on. I need to to appoint elders in every single city, all right? I need to appoint elders for every church. So he begins to do that. He gets imprisoned in Rome, and he writes Colossians, and he writes Ephesians. All right, So that's what's going on. That's kind of a little bit of the background of what's going on in Ephesians. All right, This book is written about 60 A.D. Okay? This book is written about 60 A.D. That's about 23 years after uh, the death, or is that right? 27 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, It was an oral tradition before then. Um, but or this book was written down. That's actually when it was authored. I'm sorry, that, I, I misspoke. It was authored in 60 AD. Uh, unlike most of Paul's letters, he's not addressing anything specific. Uh, if you read the book of Galatians, he's ticked off, man, the book of Galatians. Some what they call Judaizers have entered into the church, and they're, telling, they're perverting the gospel and saying this, yeah, yeah, the gospel's great, but you still need to get circumcised. The gospel plus circumcision, that's what they're saying will save you. And Paul confronts that heresy and says, no, the gospel plus nothing. That's our message. The gospel plus nothing. Don't add anything. Gospel plus nothing. All right, that's, that was Paul's, Paul addressing to the Galatians. But Ephesians, it's weird. Paul doesn't have anything specific to address. 
He's not coming at one big thing. He's going to be epic all over the place, huge doctrine, huge ideas, huge theology. He's going to be talking about the renewal of all creation. He's going to be talking about what's going on with the cosmos, how Jesus Christ is sitting over, over all of it, waiting to renew everything. He's, I mean, he gets big, and then he gets down to the nitty-gritty about how you should love your kids and how you should train your kids and how you should pastor your kids. Talks about how you love your wife, talks about how you love your husband. I mean, this book is so unique. But most, people, most scholars, in my uh, study this week, most scholars believe that the reason it's general, it's a general letter, is because it wasn't sent to one specific church in Ephesus. It was, spent, it was sent to several missional communities in Ephesus. All right? So this church, so how, why can we learn anything from Ephesus? Why can we learn anything from the book of Ephesians? Because I want you to listen to the similarities. They're a port city, okay? So they traffic in ideas. They've got... A lot of educated people there. They got a lot of a lot of people there. About 200, 250,000 people, twice the size of Davenport, half the size of the Quad Cities. All right. They've got a lot of occult practice going on. A lot of idol worship. Hey, I mean, we don't have a temple to Artemis, but we've got enough of our own. Right. We've got. Uh, I could name a few, but I, I won't. We've got some crazy stuff going on. Uh, a lot of young people are attracted to, to to cities because that's where ideas. That's where the melting pot is. So we've got that going on. And not only that. They're sent, these letters are a part of these little local congregations that are peppered throughout the city that are meant to renew the city where they are. And this letter was meant to be read and then passed on to the next, the next church. Read, read in front of the congregation, then pass on to the next. Read in front of the congregation, then pass on to the next. All right? So that's why we can sit down with confidence and say, okay, what is Paul saying to us? Or what is Paul saying for us in the book of Ephesians? All right. It's not we can't just say, oh, this is mine. But this we have to filter it through the context first. We have to know when when he's talking about if he's talking about theater, if he's talking about um, later in the book, when he starts talking about spiritual warfare. Why was he talking? Why was he hitting so heavy on spiritual warfare? Why? Because they had one of the seven wonders of the world, the temple, the Greek goddess Artemis right there in front of him. So he's confronting that idolatry uh, square on. All right, that's that's why he's doing those things. We got to keep that in the back of our mind. <clears throat> what Paul's me- what was Paul's message to the missional communities in an influential city consumed with their own culture and their prosperity? What was Paul's message? What was Paul's message to an influential city? An up and coming city, right? A city with swagger. What was his message? The gospel. His message was just blatant, front and center, preach the gospel. Just preach the gospel. You didn't have to do any craziness. You just preach the gospel. I, I, I love it. I want, to, I want to give you a sneak peek into where we're headed. I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 1 again and look at verse 9. <clears throat> when you're there, say there. I know this isn't uh, after last week. I, I don't know why. I told my wife when I left here, I yelled nonstop last week. And uh, I, I had a couple coffee coffees beforehand and didn't really. They were like secret coffees. I didn't know they were coffees. They were like dumpers into my milk. And it lit me up. Um, so this week I wanted, to, I wanted to come back. And I just wanted to give you some information, honestly. I wanted to teach you. I wanted to just give you a little bit of a, a historical context of the book of Ephesians. And uh, hopefully enlighten some of your reading as you read through the book 
this coming up week. So I want you to go to Ephesians 1, verse 9. Um, this is Paul's message right here, okay? This is where we're going. Making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, that's in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. God is at work in Christ, reconciling all things back into unity with Christ. All of creation is on its way toward restoration. And fellow missionaries, you've been given access to join him in that story. All right? We are a part of an epic tale that God is telling to unite all things under Christ. Everything being united, being reunited with the maker, with the creator. And we are missionaries partnering with the Apostle Paul, partnering like the Apostle Paul in the renewal of all things. That should get us a little bit excited. Now, it's gonna, we're going to have some sweeping stuff coming through here as we, as we delve into what exactly is he preaching, what exactly is he sharing. But I, I just want to kind of whet your appetite to dig into this book and say, okay, if I really can't grasp this big picture of God, this big idea that he's at work in all of creation, and 2,000 years ago when Paul was preaching in that theater right there, and riots were taking place, and people were throwing their money on the ground and burning their magic books. If God, if God could do it then, why can't He do it in a similar city today in the Quad Cities? Why can't He? If God can renew that city, and look, look, look where that city is today. It's ruins. All right? God is promising to renew all things. Right? He's, and we go through, what does that mean for you as a father? What does that mean for you as a mother? What does that mean? What has God done to re- reunite and restore you with the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Are you aware of what He's done? How is, the, how is He restoring your marriage? How is He restoring your work? How is He restoring your work ethic? How is He restoring the way you live your life in front of unbelievers and with unbelievers? How is God doing that? This book, man, it, it puts us, I mean, it, it's an ocean that we can swim in. So I, I'm just going to, I'm going to beg you, get in Ephesians this week, read through it. We're going to go through, a, you know, just a few verses next week. And, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll get started in our, in our quest to work all the way through the book of Ephesians. Um, as we come, though, tonight, as we come to the table... Let us remember and celebrate the fact that Jesus has united all believers into one body. That God saves sinners like us and the Apostle Paul. Like we're here because of the will of God. Some point in your story, God intervened. And like the girl from the book Unplanned, it happened later in life, or some of you happened earlier in life, or Paul, it happened later in life. There's a time where God intervened. That we're here by the will of God 
not our own will. We should celebrate that. That as we come to the table tonight, God saves sinners by the sovereign grace and will of God. We've been saved. We've been adopted. And then we've been sent on mission to renew all things for the glory of God. We're part of that sweeping, epic adventure that God's telling. And as you come to the table, like always, I encourage you, um, well, we, we've had public repentance. I encourage you to repent. I encourage you to, to, to search yourself, search your soul, to check yourself, um, to repent, and to come, come to the table and receive the gift of grace that God's given us. Receive the body of Christ and the blood that was shed for you. We're a part. Man, I, I, I'm, I'm just going to say it a thousand times. It just, it, it just, I just get so excited when I think about being a part of the story that's been going on since the beginning of humankind. That we're a piece in that. We're a chapter. We're a screen. We're a, a flash. Whatever. We get to be a part of that. And if it was worth Paul, I mean, oh, I just, I can see that place full. And Paul, let me in there. Let me preach the gospel. There's 24,000 in one spot. Let me preach the gospel. I can just see him. And how, how amazing that we're a part of the same thing. We're a part of the same story that's being told. So I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the sacrament of Holy Communion. And we ask that you would be this bread to us, be this wine to us. That Jesus, you held it up and you said, this is my body that was broken for you. This is my blood that was shed for you. There's nothing else. That's the gospel. We need to go deeper into it. We need to understand it in a more in a fuller way. This isn't you know finding some tricks in Scripture and finding some secret way to get what we want, Father. But this is by your will. We are here by grace. We've been saved by grace. We are part of a body by grace. And I ask that you would confer that grace to us today. You would remind us of the gift that's been given to us and that you would work in our life, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.